honest, as the scheme of world events continues to unfold, many people observe and feel the desperation, the fear, the oppression, the corruption, the violence, and they ask, what's going on here? How can this be? Is this God's judgment or is this Satan's wrath raining down on us? What is happening? Yes, it's not uh, any mystery that the world has been thrown into complete pandemonium. It's hard to see where this is all leading, but every day seems to bring us a little bit closer to mass chaos. It's like a rapid fire execution of the second law of thermodynamics, which states that all things tend toward disorder or entropy or equilibrium. Many Christians believe we are headed for Armageddon, the final battle between good and evil before the Lord's second coming. Now, among these Christians are a few subgroups. Some believe that they will be raptured before things get, quote, really bad. Others simply claim a trust in God and take a back seat, watching it all unfold without ever getting involved. Some Christians claim to pray very hard, and some Christians actually take action. But the majority of people in general, and including Christians, look with dismay in a paralyzed helplessness, wondering what can they possibly do about what's happening in our crazy world. And that's exactly what I'd like to discuss today. I want to talk specifically about Christian misunderstandings with regard to freedom fighting. What can you do and what should or shouldn't you do specifically as a Christian, but also as a patriot and as an American citizen. You're listening to Unity Without Compromise on America Out Loud Talk Radio. I am your host, Dr. Steve LaTulip, and I admit that I am ever feeling a challenge to speak from a whole person perspective as opposed to just speaking from my little box. Let me remind you that I am a medical doctor, a physician who actually had my license illegally suspended by the corrupt Oregon Medical Board for the crime, the very crime of successfully treating COVID patients early and not ever masking in my clinic, they claim. All of my patients recovered swiftly. No harm from not masking was ever found, just as the medical evidence claims. Yes, masks are worthless. They are not a protection or a barrier against viral spread or viral illness. A federal lawsuit is pending against the Oregon Medical Board, and I simply pray that God's will be done. This court decision in this case could affect every physician and every patient in America. And so as a physician, I could easily speak in my little box, but this goes beyond that. I also am a retired Air Force officer. I have flown the KC-135 Strato tanker doing some air refueling. I have flown the reconnaissance version of the F-4C with the Idaho Air National Guard. 
And then later, I served as chief of medicine with the Oregon Air National Guard before retiring. Prior to that, I had some enlisted time, actually, uh, working in communication, uh, navigation, and electronic countermeasures on a fighter called the F-111 aircraft. And then I later processed film on the reconnaissance F-4s with the Idaho Air National Guard as well. So I have enlisted time and later uh, then became a commissioned officer and served uh, the rest of my career as an officer. I also have a background in microbiology and I am Bible college and seminary trained in biblical studies and Christian doctrine. And I'm an ordained minister with the independent Christian church. I suppose this gives me somewhat of a global perspective on what's going on in the world. I'm also married to a very good woman and have raised two children. Parenting is never easy, and trying to raise godly children in the current messed up world that we live in is now more challenging than ever, and I'm simply here to try and help. Despite any credentials I may have, when it comes to Bible teaching and accurate doctrine of the Bible and Bible interpretation, credentials really don't mean a whole lot to me, and they should not mean a whole lot to anybody else. Because the fact remains that my opinion about what the Bible says means nothing. God's opinion, on the other hand, means everything. And for this reason, we see many theologians and Bible scholars uh, who seem to have all the answers, they claim to anyway, and yet we are plagued with differences of opinion on some very important issues with regard to Bible doctrine uh, that pertain to the Christian life. And we have differences in Christian faith based upon our divisions or our denominations. And so this all can be very confusing. And we are often led astray by some very uh, perceived to be well-intentioned people who are perhaps not so well-intentioned. The Bible itself says that we are very often uh, deceived by the many false teachers and uh, self-professed false prophets who exist in our world. They always have existed, and they are still alive and at it, trying to, uh, to distort and pervert the scriptures. And that greatly bothers me. When it comes to knowing God's will, man's opinion matters nothing at all. And so um, sometimes we get it wrong because the guy or gal in the pulpit got it wrong, and that because of a lack of uh, skills in properly interpreting scripture. But knowing God's will, that's an important thing. And all that does matter when it comes to that is what the Bible says, because only from the Bible do we know what God's will is for us, his creatures, his creation. We can't know what the Bible says unless you apply rules, the same rules of interpretation as for any other written human language. And that's very important. Remember that the Bible was written to us in human language, in three languages specifically, in the Hebrew, the Aramaic, and the Koine, which was the common Greek of that time. And we must never forget that the Holy Spirit's role in inspiration was specifically to protect every word that was written 
in the scriptures so that it was accurate, even though it was spoken or written by men, it was accurately transcribed in the original autographs or writings so that there were no errors. And that's very important to understand. And because the Holy Spirit inspired the writers of the Bible, you don't need a priest or a preacher or anyone else to interpret scripture for you. You simply have to follow the rules of human language and do it for yourself. And that's why God gave this to us in human language. Now, there's one greatly uh, disturbing, um, I would call it an abuse uh, of the scriptures, and it occurs because of what people uh, consider Holy Spirit illumination. And this is severely and widely misunderstood as a concept that leads many people to understand what the words of scripture mean. And that's very misleading. And we must realize that if the Bible was written in human language, then if your Bible interpretation is flawed by not following the rules of human language, then you actually have already dishonored the Holy Spirit whose purpose specifically was to protect the accuracy of every word written from God in human language. Please don't make that mistake. Holy Spirit illumination has been greatly abused and misused, and I don't want to get into those details because I specifically want to talk about the Christian misunderstandings about freedom fighting today. But I also need to clarify that because we have many theologians who actually introduce opinions, we, as a result of that, have many false teachings that are very popular in our modern Christian churches, but they are very far from being truthful or accurate. I realize I say this boldly. I'm not going to develop this today. I plan to get to that in the future uh, to discuss some real uh, important issues on Bible interpretation. Uh, but if I were to expose a few of those things that they have gotten wrong, I guarantee you, you would be angry with me on some of them because you would say, that's not what I was taught. And that's a very true thing. It's the same reason why so many people, however, are duped into wearing the mask of shame and social distancing and living in fear because they are believing something that they were told that is absolutely untrue. So please challenge yourself. I have dealt with a number of controversial topics related to the Bible in my book that actually inspired this radio show. It is entitled Unity Without Compromise, A Biblical Basis for Christian Union. So I'm not afraid to discuss the, the real hard sayings, the controversial topics, the things that divide us, but I want to get to the issue of freedom fighting and the Christian. Let me say that I have no interest in causing conflict or anger today, but I've prepared for you the topic that I wish to address today, that is misunderstandings about freedom fighting, because Christians are so very confused about their roles in politics, and particularly about taking up the fight for liberty. Let's sort out what the Bible does and does not say about being a Christian patriot. A freedom fighter 
whose aim is to please God. What exactly does the Bible say that we, as honest citizens, as good people who love the Lord, who love our homeland, our country, who are respectful of our forefathers, our founding fathers, and our many soldiers who gave up their very lives for the sake of freedom so that we might enjoy all of the very numerous things in America that we are so blessed to have that we don't even think about it. What does the Bible say we should do? And what is our role in the big scheme of American life as a nation that is a beacon of light to the world? Should Christians just be silent and let things unfold as they will? Should we only pray? And I don't play that down. Prayer is extremely powerful, and we should pray daily. And the Bible says to pray without ceasing and pray about everything. Should we do absolutely nothing and just pray, however? Well, no, that is not what the Bible says. But what is God's will for you and me as we face what is unfolding right now and what is developing into the most disturbing and evil times the world has ever faced? What do we do? Ask yourself this, is God causing this evil to happen as a judgment against the world that seems to have so greatly rejected him? Or is he merely allowing it to happen? Is this the work of Satan? Well, it's a very difficult question to answer, no doubt. And in fact, I would say it is impossible, actually, since God is not speaking to us directly as he did in the Old Testament. Everything happens for a reason, some people claim, and perhaps that's so. But don't use that statement, everything happens for a reason, as a scapegoat clause to free you from all responsibility in your own life and with regard to service to your country. The reason things happen as they do may be partly because of your action or inaction. We can't blame everything on God, and we can't even blame everything on Satan. Sometimes we do a pretty good job ourselves of messing things up. After all, we do have a free will. Well, I don't claim to have all the answers to this difficult issue, but it is an important one for each of us to sort out, to wrestle with, and to decide for ourselves what ought to be our role as a Christian American patriot. So with that said, let's go for it. Well, let's take a look, first of all, at what the Bible says about uh, freedom fighting. And to do that, we have to uh, look at one verse of Scripture that just talks about freedom. And that's John uh, chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. And I'd like to actually read that. And we read here that Jesus is speaking to some Jews, some who had believed in him and others who had absolutely rejected him and, and challenged him. And those were the leaders of the Jews, of course. But Jesus was talking to these people. And he said, if you abide in my word, then you are truly my disciples. You are disciples of mine. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. 
Now, here is the word, if you abide, which means to follow close upon. It means to follow very closely in what is being told and what we are being instructed to do. So uh, here, Jesus is specifically talking about knowing the truth. And he says, if you know the truth, then you'll be free. But Jesus is describing here a certain type of a freedom, specifically freedom from a life of sin. And we know that in context, which is so important in Bible interpretation. If you look further and read through John 8, 33 through 36, we read that Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. And the word commits is an active ongoing pursuit of sin. And the slave, he says, does not remain in the house forever. The son does remain forever. If therefore the son, capital S, shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. And so Jesus is talking here about about freedom from sin. And that's a very important issue because if we are free from sin, then we are no longer slaves to sin and we partake of good things and we spread good things. And that's what made America good. And that's what made America great. But he says, those of you, he says later, I believe it's in verse 36 or 38. He says, I speak things which I have seen with my father, therefore you also do the things which you heard from your father. And he goes on to describe your father, the devil. And he says, you cannot understand what I'm saying because you are not able to listen to my word. He says, you are of the father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. That's in John 8, 43 and 44. Jesus points out here that the reason for misunderstanding is willful. So when we don't get certain things, even the confusing things of our times right now, oftentimes it's simply because we don't want to listen and hear the truth. And that can be devastating to our world. But most importantly, freedom from sin is a spiritual battle. But the effects of that sin is always played out in the flesh. And so there are big consequences to that. So when we talk about freedom and freedom fighting, freedom ultimately begins with a personal issue in our own hearts, and that is fighting for a freedom from sin. And yes, that is always a very, very intense battle to fight, but fight it we should. And when we are fighting freedom from sin in ourselves, then we have a responsibility also to encourage, encourage our brothers and sisters in Christ to also pursue that freedom fight, that freedom from sin. And that's why we are to gather every week or as often as we can to encourage each other, to support each other. We should never have closed the churches. And I'll be getting into that because that's part of the freedom fight, isn't it? They told us to shut down the churches shut down everything that is good. And those things that were destructive were allowed to keep on going without any intervention whatsoever, such as Antifa and BLM, keep the bars open or keep the uh, alcohol uh, available to everybody. And if it's anything that is worthy of honor and uh, something that is admirable, or beneficial to society, shut it down. 
That's a spiritual battle that's taking place right now. And it frustrates me to no end because the pressure is on and it continues to apply more and more pressure on every one of us as this situation in our country and in the world is unfolding. And so let's proceed. When we talk about freedom fighting, let's define that. It is specifically the enforcement of liberties that are bestowed on us by a righteous God in a righteous nation. That is what the Bill of Rights is all about. And that was such an important document to our founding fathers that several signers of the Constitution would not agree to sign the Constitution unless the Bill of Rights was written uh, concordantly. So it was important to understand that God has endowed every man and woman on this earth, every child, with a capacity and a privilege of being allowed to live a life of freedom, a life without oppression, a life where we are able to pursue the things that we seek to do it, as long as it does not do harm to our fellow man. The freedom fight is an, an enforcement of freedom. Our freedom is currently being challenged as never before. However, what about fighting for freedom? Some Christians might actually claim uh, that this is not right, that Christians must never fight or take up arms because it might involve killing or violence or even legislating morality, right? And somehow Christians think we're not supposed to do any of that stuff, but that's not exactly an accurate principle. The truth is, sometimes God says, do kill. Sometimes God says, go and do some really severe violence. And sometimes God says, legislate morality. In fact, that is the very reason he gave us the government. But that would mean that Christians could not participate in the military or in any government judicial capacity, at least, if they feel that they cannot pass judgment or take up arms. That is not a biblical principle, either in the Old Testament or in the New Testament. Now, I suppose we have to go to Romans chapter 13, which clearly shows in that passage that the purpose of government is very specific very explicit. It is merely to protect the innocent and to punish the guilty. The government is an instrument of God's justice, and therefore it cannot be a wrong thing to act on behalf of God in the capacity of serving in the government, which includes the military, which includes a judicial system. Therefore, Christians may participate without any feelings of guilt. What is of God is not wrong. It is not bad. Everything that God has said and instituted is obviously good and serves our purpose. However, in Romans chapter 13, there is an issue, and I believe this is the crux of some very sincere Christians who feel that they ought not 
to take up arms specifically against even a rogue government. Let me read Romans 13, verses 1 and 2. Let every person be in subjection to the governing authorities. Okay, so we are told to submit to the government. For there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. That's verse 1. So we are told in the book of Romans that we should be in, uh, we should subject ourselves to the governing authorities. When they make laws and rules, we should follow them because this authority comes from God. And then in verse 2, and this is the crux of the problem for many Christians, it says, therefore, he who resists authority has opposed the ordinances of God, and they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. For the rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. Do you want to have no fear of authority? Do what is good. And will you have and you will have praise from the same. For it is, talking about the government, it is a minister of God to you for good. But if you do what is evil, be afraid, for it does not bear the sword for nothing. For it is a minister of God, an avenger who brings wrath, that's violence, upon the one who practices evil. So we are told that. A righteous government acts on behalf of the authority of God to maintain law and order. Simple as that. Remember hearing Donald Trump say that? Law and order. We need this in every civilized society. Otherwise, we can have no peace and we can have no freedom. And now you're seeing that very thing in America. But we are told to not resist a righteous government. However, is that all we are told? Absolutely not. Is there a time to resist the government? Is there a time to defy a rogue government? Well, what does the Bible say? You're not interested in my opinion, and I'm glad to hear that. No, Romans 13 says that the government is an instrument of God's justice, and fighting a righteous war, therefore, is never wrong. Therefore, Christians may participate in the military and in the government. But the issue is Romans 13 too, opposing God by resisting government authority, uh, so the Bible says, is wrong. But that is with the assumption that you are doing wrong or evil. If you are an outlaw, if you are breaking the law, then you are resisting God. However, what happens when the government itself, the powers that be, are breaking the law and are doing the evil? Now, that changes the picture in a very huge way, and we cannot ignore that. In fact, we are told to disobey the leaders or the government only when it conflicts with God's will. And we see that very statement played out in the book of Acts, the one history book of the New Testament, in chapter 5 of Acts, verse 29. Peter and the apostles were released from prison and were teaching the gospel, and they had been warned severely to not do this. They were warned against spreading the new gospel to the people. 
And what was their answer? They said simply, we must obey God rather than men. They disobeyed, they defied their leaders, and they did what they knew to be right in the sight of God. And I suppose therein is our battle, our struggle of what does the Christian freedom fighter stand for? What do we do? Oh, sure, absolutely. The battle is spiritual, but never forget, the battle is always played out in the flesh. We are flesh and blood as well as spirit and soul. So we need to sort it out and we need to figure for ourselves, what is it good and righteous for us to do? If you are a genuine, real Christian, then your goal is simply to glorify God in your life, to please God. And to do that, that means you ought to be the most upright of all citizens. You should not take advantage of people in a business, not swindle people, not scam people. You should be the best of citizens in every aspect of living our daily lives. So let's try a blank slate approach to the Bible, meaning that we erase all our preconceptions, all our former ideas that we might have had, and let's ask ourselves, where in the Bible does it specifically say that Christians must never take up arms, must never defend their families or fight for our God-given rights? What does the Bible say about that? You're listening to Unity Without Compromise with Dr. Steve LaTulip. I am speaking on America Out Loud Talk Radio. This is a platform that promotes justice and righteous living and honor and patriotism to our country and to our God. And so I pray that God will be honored in this show. I'm going to take a short break, and then we're going to come back and look at the Bible and try to do it justice in deciding whether or not a Christian should be allowed or whether or not a Christian should be subjected to becoming a freedom fighter. Is this the will of God? We'll answer that right after this break. Don't go away. Each of us is born with 30 trillion cells that make us. These cells determine how we feel, perform, sleep, focus, and how long we live. And to live our best life, all we have to do is feed our cells. But most food and supplements don't reach our cells, keeping us from reaching our full potential. Make every cell count with Healthy Cell. Founded with a mission to empower people to take control of their own health at the most fundamental level, Dr. Vincent Jampapa, world-renowned cell researcher and medical doctor, created supplements that work at the cellular level to boost immune health, sleep better, focus deeper, and stay younger longer. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order of any product. And that's HealthyCell.com. H-E-A-L-T-H-Y-C-E-L-L and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off. America 
www.thinkoutloud.com is the alternative from the agenda-driven globalist. Here, we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. On-demand podcast or real-time talk radio with our streaming apps on Apple, Android, or Alexa. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. Welcome back to Unity Without Compromise with Dr. Steve Latulip on America Out Loud Talk Radio. Today, I have been discussing Christian misunderstandings about freedom fighting, and I would now like to proceed and get into the Bible and see what the Bible actually says about what ought a Christian to do or not do with regard to living in the present times in the United States of America when our very constitution is being threatened, when our freedoms are being taken away day by day, and when we are being forced, compelled to comply with an absolutely rogue government ruled by sinister Marxist communist people who reject Jesus Christ, who reject Christianity, who reject everything that absolutely made America great. We know that the Bible says we ought to obey a righteous government because the government that is serving God is a government that protects you from evil and that guarantees that we live in a civilized society. Now, when it comes to interpreting the Bible, we have to be very careful not to do what is called proof texting. That's taking a verse out of context and make it say something so that you can prove your own point. And that's not a good thing to do. It's a very bad thing to do. For example, some people will claim, well, God is love, and therefore you can never do anything that involves violence. Well, that is pure nonsense. First John 4, 8 does say that God is love, and that is a very true statement. But God is not just love. We are told in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 24, that's in the Old Testament, and also in the New Testament, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 29, we are told that the Lord, your God, is a consuming fire. He is a jealous God. And we are shown without any doubt or any hesitancy whatsoever that the God of the Old Testament who also is the God of the New Testament, was very much a warrior and sent the Israelites to battle many, many times and told him to crush the enemy, to wipe them out completely. It's just a fact of scripture. So what we want to do is know the will of God with regard to the freedom fighter, to the Christian freedom fighter in America. We are told, for example, in the Old Testament, in Joshua chapter 23, 10, the Lord your God is he who fights for you. But remember, the soldiers went armed to battle. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8, in the New Testament, we are told there that we ought to provide for our own. That means our family. 1 Timothy 5.8 specifically says, if anyone does not provide 
for his, his own, and especially for those of his own household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So the question is, what does provide mean? Does that mean providing food and, uh, and shelter, comforts of home? Does it mean protecting them from harm? Yes, providing, use some common sense. The word provide means to take care of. It means to make sure that no harm comes to them and to make sure that they are provided with the essentials of daily living so that they can live in peace. But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially those of his own household, now that would suggest that it can include his own neighbors, his own friends, and so forth. But especially those of his household, if you are not providing for your own, you have denied the faith and you are worse than an unbeliever. That's hyperbole. How can you be worse than an unbeliever? It is hyperbole, an exaggeration for the sake of emphasis. So it's very important that we understand that, first of all, we are told to provide for those in our care. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 15, we are also told, see, that no one renders evil for evil to anyone but always pursue what is good both for yourselves and for all. Now, does that suggest that we should not retaliate uh, against a nation that is taking over our country? Or should that apply to leaders? What does rendering evil for evil mean? Well, this is talking specifically about personal vengeance. If somebody steals from you, you ought not to return to him the same insult or sin. You should not steal from him to retaliate, but always pursue what is good both for yourselves and for all. So it's very important to understand something here, and that is that personal revenge is always frowned upon both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. We are told in the Old Testament that an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, as a part of punishment from the government, but that was actually protection against a government overly punishing someone for whatever crime that was committed. It was actually a protection. But in the Old Testament, we are told the same as we are told in the New Testament, that personal revenge is always contrary to God's will. So we should never render evil for evil. But if there is an evil done in society, or even to us personally, and the government intervenes by removing that threat or removing or preventing the evil from taking place again, that is not evil, that is good. And that is within the purpose of government. Is stopping evil ever evil when it involves your neighbor, your fellow countrymen? No, it is good, it is essential to have law and order. On the other hand, remember Deuteronomy 32, 35, the Lord says, vengeance is mine and recompense. 
Likewise, in Romans 12, verse 19, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. In other words, do not retaliate because of a personal vengeance. Now, I would gladly confess to you that there have been a few times in my life as a protective father to my children that I absolutely wanted to snuff a few people. I'll be very honest with you. And if I had not honored God and respected God's word, I might actually have done something and ended up in prison because of a harm that was done to a family member or two. But God says, don't seek your own revenge. Seek the authorities, seek through the proper channels, the achievement of justice. When we have injustice in our judicial system, we have a problem, however. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 39, this is another verse of scripture that people misunderstand. It says, but I tell you not to resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. Now, this also is an issue of personal revenge. Personal revenge is always, always condemned by God. If someone kills one of your family members, you ought not to go and kill one of their family members because that's how we get into a Hatfield and McCoy situation and everybody ends up killing everybody. God says, don't do it. Do not seek personal revenge. And I'll be the first to admit that is not an easy thing to do sometimes. But if you wish to please God and obey him, we must never seek personal revenge. But it's quite another thing to act in another capacity. And when you know God's will and act in God's behalf to honor his will, then you are a righteous warrior a freedom fighter. And isn't it all about freedom? Isn't that what it all comes down to? Because when freedom is taken away, life becomes meaningless, purposeless, useless. I suppose if I was getting immediate feedback from some people right now, they would challenge me. But if we can be totally honest with ourselves, Let's remember a few things. It is very easy to call an action wrong or evil when it's putting our own lives at risk of harm, right? Some of us are just timid. Some of us are just too comfortable and don't want to rock the boat. Some of us may actually be cowards. And some just don't like being disturbed for any reason. And so we make excuses for our behavior, our silence, and our inaction. Some of us, and this is horrible to do, but some of us use the Bible for our own selfish gain, such as thinking, well, what does it matter? After all, I'm going to be raptured. Oh, yeah, that's a subject for another day. But rapture theology has not been around for a very long time. And let me just say, it is a very flawed theology. And that's where sound interpretation of the Bible becomes very, very important. I am sure 
that some Christians do have a strong opinion regarding taking up arms and defying a rogue government because they want to follow the government, because they are afraid of Romans 13, 2, where God says, do not resist the authorities. But beware, put it into context, because in the right situation, we have authority from God to resist the government. And let's be very, very clear, did not the government, our very constitution and the amendments to the constitution give us the authority, according to the government, to resist the government itself if it becomes rogue. That's called the second amendment to our constitution. That's very important. Yes, we as Christian patriots, Christian freedom fighters, have been given the authority by the government to overthrow the government under the right circumstances. We must never forget that also. But to you Christians who are of strong opinion, who want so eagerly to comply because you think you want to do the right thing, if you are one of those who will gladly comply with masking, even though it's worthless, even though it's controlling. And if you will gladly oblige the government that tells you to shut down your church gatherings, your church buildings, lock them up, and don't gather when the Bible specifically says do gather and gather regularly, then you have a spiritual problem. And I would have a spiritual problem in that mindset. Some people genuinely do struggle with their beliefs or they simply don't know what they believe or what the Bible says. That's what we have to strive to overcome. We don't have all the answers to all the ethical and moral questions in our lives, perhaps, but we do have a general admonition to make the world a better place. And that's a good starting point. We are advised to make the world a better place first and foremost, by sharing the gospel. When's the last time you led someone to the Lord Jesus Christ? When's the last time you actually changed the eternal destiny of a fellow human being? We are admonished to be good citizens and to follow Jesus Christ. When it comes to issues of the heart, we must always remain true to our conscience but we need to remember that our conscience is fabricated from our core beliefs. And because of that, it can be misguided. Go to Romans chapter 14, and we read about how we ought to address disputes over doubtful things, about the things that we disagree with. And we are told to be careful in judging one another on hard issues because we are told in Romans 14, that to each person's own master, we will stand or fall, and God will allow us to stand. But it's all a matter of having integrity of the heart. <clears throat> if the Continental Army that fought for America's independence were unwilling to defy an oppressive government, then think about it, a free America would never exist. But because the Revolutionary War was fought by men of principle, we live now in a free land. 
we have them to thank. In a free land, we do enjoy religious liberty. And as a result of this liberty, the gospel is able to be preached. And when the gospel is preached and people turn to the Lord, then notice what happens. The people prosper. This is a very good thing. A free land, the free land of the United States of America, our sweet land of liberty, has been a beacon of light to the world. It's a place where people always have wanted to come. Freedom is a good thing. And obviously, many men and women, Christian or otherwise, believe that freedom is very worth fighting for. And I stand among them. If you believe that fighting for freedom is unchristian, then I do appeal to Romans 14. I will not judge you. Please, please, however, do not sit, just sit back and let someone else do the dirty work for you. We have known freedom only through a great deal of sacrifice of many brave heroes who gave everything they had so that you and I could walk and breathe in a free land. However, as I've said in the past few shows, America is at war, and you can be sure that this war is heating up. It is getting hotter, and we will be challenged as never before. Let's remember that Corona mania is a propaganda vehicle. It is a war tactic. That means that vaccine passports really are a threat, a direct threat to your freedom. Vaccine mandates violate the United States Constitution. This may be an unconventional war, but it is most certainly a war of a new type. And a war to destroy America, which means that they will be pushing more of the propaganda, pushing the stupid mask of shame indefinitely because it controls you, pushing to isolate you, to break down communication between your family members and your friends, actually trying to get you to fight each other with regard to a virus that is being used as a weapon in multiple ways but it controls you only because you allow it. We already have seen a violent and rogue, very rogue, evil, tyrannical government in Australia betray its own people. We have seen the likes of it in Europe and in Asia as well. Many other countries are not far behind, but this could go one of two ways. If the people rise up and take up the battle, decide to fight a revolutionary war to squelch this tyrannical government, the outcome could be very far different. Remember that the elites are few. They are not many people who want to control us and to destroy us. Already, Americans are being threatened with financial and personal loss for non-compliance with the dangerous gene injection that could actually kill or maim you. It is unconstitutional, and yet they are shoving it down our throat, pushing it, threatening us with loss 
of benefits, veterans benefits, social security, loss of membership, loss of participation in schools and colleges. We are being threatened for a very specific reason, and that is the overthrow of the United States government. The Great Reset, if it's allowed to proceed as as planned, is going to be cataclysmic. It will devastate the entire world. If America fails, this will most certainly happen. If so, then may the Lord come quickly, because you and I will know pain and suffering as never before. For this reason, I am a freedom fighter. Sure, I'd rather be out fishing or gardening or tending to my own pasture. I'd love to relax and not to have to get involved in politics, in corrupt medicine, and get involved in the coup against America. But my conscience simply will not allow it. For the sake of my children and my grandchildren and all future generations, I will gladly take up arms against the evil empire that now threatens our very lives in the United States of America. If you want a country where lawlessness prevails, just keep doing nothing. Just keep bowing to the satanic forces in American government and let others do your bidding. Remember, you and I will face God face to face one day and give account for all that we say and do, for all that we don't say and don't do. But if we let all the others do our fighting, do our bidding, then our soldiers who recently died senselessly in Afghanistan will have been disgraced along with the millions and millions of others who fought for our freedom. Think of what our founding fathers would be saying right now if they could speak to us. And remember all the veterans of our military forces, those of us who have had our necks on the line, desire peace perhaps more than anyone. I don't like the thought of having to kill or be killed. I don't like bloodshed. I don't like seeing the oppression that I have seen in my military travels and the oppression that we are now seeing even in modern countries of Europe and Asia and Australia. So before you decide on whether or not the freedom fight is good, consider the toll on those you love. Will you go to your grave knowing you could have done something but didn't? And when you see your neighbor suffering naked without food imprisoned, Will Jesus at the day of judgment ask, where were you? We can only be true to our conscience and do our best to stay true to our God by knowing what the scriptures really say. Know that God is just and he tells us to do justice. Taking a stand isn't easy. I get that. It's not easy, but it is most certainly necessary. Well, unity without compromise means choosing to be a unified body and to do things God's way. If you don't know God, then how in the world can you please him? We live in an age when many false teachers and self-proclaimed false prophets have risen up and deceived many. 
Sound Bible doctrine is critical to achieving true unity without compromise. There's no other way. The Christian church is one body, not thousands of little denominations. We have one Bible, one Lord, one spirit, one baptism, and one way of salvation. That's what the Bible says. I encourage you for that reason to please read the Bible daily and to start living with one purpose, to glorify God through your words, through your actions and your beliefs. Strive to discern what is man-made tradition, and if it conflicts with the scripture, get rid of that tradition. America was founded on the Judeo-Christian ethic, and nothing but a full return to the Bible as our standard will restore America. It's just a plain fact. It's not going to be the right politicians, not President Trump, not any arbitrary tricks of the political trade. A Christian ethic is what raises a righteous army. The worship of Jesus Christ establishes a clean and discerning heart. A knowledge of the Bible combined with prayer, much prayer, prepares the soul for spiritual battle. Courage and a willingness to sacrifice your life for a higher cause brings forth a wellspring of hope and a goodness to the nation that practices righteousness. When God is again glorified in America, then America will be great again. Let's determine, please, to be a part of America's success story. This week, I hope you will be blessed. I hope you will be bold. And I hope you will be real. And I pray that you will join me in being a freedom fighter. We have a great work to do. And the power through Jesus Christ is at work in our hearts and in our lives. And we do have the power to make America great again. We have the ability, if we have the willingness, to take back our country and restore our constitution and law and order that was given to us by God who shed his grace on us. Until next week, be blessed. Adieu.